Real Free DC with G. Gordon Liddy. And it is I, G. Gordon, known irreverently to some as the G-Man. And this is Radio Free DC, the G. Gordon Liddy Show. And we're good to go and ready to launch this day after the 4th of July. And I've just been handed this from the Associated Press Wire Services, Jericho, West Bank. Yasir Arafat has arrived in Jericho. Fine. Let me know when he arrives in hell where he belongs. Okay. And that's how G. Gordon Liddy opened his radio show, July 5th, 1994. You heard the driving synthetic theme from Miami Vice. We'll explain that bit of 80s pop music nostalgia in a moment. But first... Find out why we're featuring G. Gordon Liddy in this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. The Watergate break-in happened 50 years ago. On June 17, 1972, police arrested burglars in the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C. Evidence linked the break-in to President Nixon's re-election campaign. This 50th anniversary is prompting many thoughtful people to reflect on what Watergate meant for trust in our government, the role of media in investigating government scandal, the role of congressional investigations, and more. We go in a different direction. We remember G. Gordon Liddy, a former FBI agent who headed the White House Plumbers Unit during the Nixon administration. G. Gordon Liddy helped plan the Watergate break-in, went to jail because of it, and served five years of a 20-year sentence. President Carter commuted his sentence. Then Liddy reinvented himself as a radio talk show host. And that's where our story begins. When C-SPAN simulcast the G. Gordon Liddy Show on July 5, 1994, it was heard weekdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in nearly 200 radio markets nationwide, originating from 106.7 FM WJFK in Washington, D.C. On the day C-SPAN was there, Liddy got a phone call from TV talk show host Regis Philbin. Liddy and Regis talked to O.G. Simpson and then Watergate. You've got a situation here now where you've got a very, very... Uh, highly publicized case and the, the, the question is uh, can in these circumstances Mr. Simpson receive a fair trial yeah. I think there's some, there's some question of that I think so, too. You know, they disbanded the grand jury for that very reason, and but where are they going to find people to replace the grand jury who haven't heard about this, who haven't been fun? The, the coverage has been, well, I can't think of any other story that's dominated the news like this has with every station, all networks, CNN, everybody covering even the preliminary trial. Well, I tell you, they could do what John Sirica did in my trial. You know, there was a fair amount of publicity about Watergate, as uh-huh. you can recall. And John Sirica just uh, just impaneled a jury, period. You know, he tried to do it the right way for about three days, couldn't get a jury, to nobody's great surprise. And then finally, he just uh, said, in effect, you know, anybody here can't uh, give these people a fair trial. Let's see a show of hands. I don't see any hands. Boom, you're on the jury. Did you think you got a fair trial? Well, this is this is interesting. Uh, listen to this. Uh, the trial proceeded, uh, Regis, and... Uh, Witnesses took the stand and gave testimony, and lawyers got up and objected, and the the judge ruled on the law. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you are to disregard that. No, it's okay for you to hear that. This went on for three days, and, of course, the jury was locked up, what they call sequestered. Any time that they weren't in that courtroom, they were under guard by federal marshals, and they had them in a separate hotel and what have you. And the marshals were under strict instructions, you know, no newspapers, television, to keep them from being uh, in any way corrupted by... Uh, what was going on in the news, and they couldn't make any phone calls uh, home without them being monitored by the, uh, um, by the marshals. We'll get back to that 1973 trial in a moment. Liddy died in 2021 at the age of 90. He's missing this 50th anniversary, but he was prominent for prior milestone anniversaries. 
He used his radio show to offer provocative history and memories of Watergate, like on the 20th anniversary, June 17, 1992. On his radio show broadcasting live from the Watergate Hotel that day, he explained how he got involved. Well, I was uh, working in the White House in a group that came to be called the Plumbers by the press, and uh, that was winding down. And I was called by my superior, who was Bud Krogh, uh, another presidential aide. And he said, can you come up to the office? John Dean wants to pitch you on something. And uh, so I came up, and I asked uh, th that Mr. Krogh be present, because I had been warned about the uh, cupidity of Mr. Dean by Mr. Donald Santarelli, who was a very prominent lawyer in Washington, D.C., and who had been uh, a uh, congressional aide. Uh, at the same time Mr. Dean was and, and to knew him uh, for the kind of person that he was. And I said, you know, it's always good to have a witness anytime you've got John Dean in, uh, in a conversation. And so the three of us sat in Mr. Krogh's room. And John Dean said, it may be necessary for you and Mr. Caulfield, who was one of his assistants, to go into the closet. And he proceeded to say that uh, we had just had a taste with all the demonstrations of what it was going to be like in this campaign uh, and that they needed a, uh, a, a full-service, all-out uh, intelligence operation, and that it was thought that, that I could, uh, could do it. And because he'd mentioned Mr. Caulfield, and Mr. Caulfield had shown me a, a previous plan that he had drawn up called Sand Wedge, which had black bag jobs, bugging, and, and the rest of it in there, I said, you mean like Sand Wedge? And Mr. Dean said, no, I want something much more sophisticated and, uh, than that. And I said, you know, you're going to be talking a tremendous amount of money to have a, uh, a full all-out offensive and defensive uh, capability uh, clandestine operation and intelligence service. And he said, how about half a million dollars for openers? Well, the Sand Wedge program had been budgeted for, a, for half a million dollars. He was given me, just to, to open the bidding, the entire budget of Sand Wedge. And so I said, well, you're, you're talking about the right. It costs about a million dollars to do what you want to do. And I said, I'm going to need a cover, and we decided that. But I also said, look, there's a lot of ways I can help Richard Nixon in 1972. This is just one of them. I'm over here because of the sponsorship of John Mitchell. I am working for Mr. Ehrlichman, and it is only if those two men say that this is what I ought to do and the best way I can serve the president next year will I do it. And I was assured that I would receive those assurances. And I want to tell every one of you now uh, that I, I never got from either of those men uh, any such assurance. On June 17, 1997 the 25th anniversary of Watergate, Liddy broadcast from what was then the Premier Hotel, directly across the street from the Watergate. 25 years earlier, the site, then a Howard Johnson Hotel, was the lookout for the Watergate burglars. Liddy had this exchange with reporter James Rosen. Uh, there was discussion at the June 19th uh, meeting with Dean between you and he as to whether or not not only you'd leave the country, but you'd leave planet Earth. Was that not the, <laughs> no, well, the no, same no, discussion same thing, in yeah. which you that offered to an, have that yourself? Was that, that was an offer. That was an offer. That was an offer, yeah. <laughs> Tell the no, folks about well, well, You know, uh, in my head was information which could uh, bring the president down in 24 hours uh, if I had chose to disclose it. Now, I had told them, of course, that I would not do that. Uh, but it would not be the first time that somebody's uh, given the stakes. Uh, someone's assurances uh, were not sufficient. And uh, inasmuch as uh, we had contemplated, uh, on orders from higher up, whacking out uh, poor old Jack Anderson, and uh, he's kind of whacked himself out these days, but at any rate, uh, I, it, it occurred to me that, uh, you know, they might have me assassinated. And I didn't want uh, some amateur doing it with a shotgun on a Sunday morning, you know, in through the kitchen window. They'd take out not only me, but also Mrs. Liddy and a couple of the kids. 
so I said, well, if they wanted to go that route, uh, that I would just go stand on some remote uh, street corner where we get it done without, you know, harming any of the taxpayers. And uh, <laughs> Dean's comment was, I don't think we have gone, gotten there, gotten to that point yet. Liddy's potential threat on Jack Anderson's life was recalled as well during an April 18, 2011 Watergate discussion. It was held at the Nixon Presidential Library and Museum in Yorba Linda, California. In this clip, you'll hear Washington Post Watergate reporter Bob Woodward and his editor during Watergate, Ben Bradley. Now, there was a White House scheme when Nixon was president to, to try to assassinate Jack Anderson, the columnist that Hunt and Liddy uh, concocted. Yeah. That was in Colson's crowd? Yeah, yeah, well, that was Hunt and Liddy, and, and you know, they, we ran the story. Yeah, I know, but even Nixon yeah. wouldn't have let that yeah. happen. Yeah. We have a, we have a question. Yeah. Yes. They couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> At the Nixon Library, Bob Woodward also discussed the 1973 trial, which Liddy mentioned on his 1994 radio broadcast during that exchange with Regis Philbin, heard earlier in this podcast. And I think uh, what, where there was real impact was with two subscribers of the Washington Post. The first was Judge Sirica, who was trying the Watergate burglars. And in his courtroom, uh, they had the Watergate burglars and Howard Hunt and Gordon Liddy, the operational commanders, and they presented, the prosecutors presented the case saying, Gordon Liddy's the mastermind. No higher-ups are involved. And Judge Sirica is reading in the Washington Post quite regularly that higher-ups are involved. And I talked to him many years later about this, and he said when he saw that, he then cranked up his questioning of the burglars. And in fact, he threatened 25-year sentences if they didn't start... uh, cooperating. Let's conclude with G. Gordon Liddy's thoughts on being a radio broadcaster. Liddy appeared on C-SPAN's Washington Journal on March 15, 2004. He was asked about indecency in broadcasting. There was a news article suggesting Congress would raise the maximum fine for indecency from $27,500 to half a million dollars. Here is Liddy's reaction. I think it's probably long overdue. The public is... uh and constantly expressing uh, their disgust at the indecency on the airwaves. There's no need for it. Um, Howard Stern's name keeps arising in that. Howard Stern is a very intelligent man uh, who, if he chose to, uh, could be very successful in talk radio in a lot of different genres. Uh, It's true. There are some people uh, who, when you take away their uh, ability to use uh, toilet talk, they have nothing left. We've got two uh, sort of a dual act right here in Washington that are going to have a problem because they they have no talent other than that. But uh, the public has spoken on that. I mean, they've, they've, they've called into me. I don't have any problem with it because I don't use that kind of language. And I don't think... Uh, my my listeners would uh, would put up with it for five minutes. What's it like to be a radio talk show host? Well, it sure beats uh, burglary. <laughs> so, G. Gordon Liddy had strong opinions, an unconventional bio, and a central role in Watergate, but he never worked blue. 
In fact, the spiciest language he ever used was probably his signature line. Here again, his 1994 radio broadcast, simulcast on C-SPAN. All right, let's go to the telephones. And first up, from Cincinnati, Ohio, is Jexy. Jaxie, you're on Radio Free DC. Hello. Hi, Jaxie. How are you? Virile, vigorous, and potent, Jaxie. <laughs> As usual. As usual. And now a bonus clip. You heard first the theme from Miami Vice. The burning question, why? Let's let G. Gordon Liddy himself explain. On August 2nd, 1992, his connection to the 80s pastel-colored MTV-styled cops show. That opportunity led to even more. The next thing I know... I was in Miami Vice, and of course, I played villains, villains exclusively. This is what they call typecasting in Hollywood, and Mrs. Liddy says that my success playing villains, not just in Miami Vice, but MacGyver and uh, Airwolf and all the rest of them, is because when I play a villain, I don't have to act. I just go up there and just be my own sweet self, and it works. No doubt listeners and subscribers to this podcast know... Without Googling, the name of the villain G. Gordon Liddy played in Miami Vice. That's right. You got it. Captain Real Estate. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. We'll mark the 50th anniversary of Watergate in the next podcast as well. That topic next time, who was Deep Throat? Can't wait to solve the mystery? Start your own searching right now in the C-SPAN video library. Just go to cspan.org and use the search bar on top and type in Deep Throat. You might stumble over G. Gordon Liddy again from 2004. Who's Deep Throat? Um, I don't really think there is a Deep Throat. Uh, there had a host of uh, informers. We know the identities of some of them. May have been one person who gave them more information than another, but it's a very effective literary device. And uh, the problem for uh, everybody else is someday someone will die might be you, it might be me, it could be the Pope. And they'll say, he was deep throat. And who's to say nay? We'll leave you with that cliffhanger. To hear more about President Nixon, including phone calls on topics from the Watergate scandal, Supreme Court nominations, and the war in Vietnam, check out Presidential Recording Season 2. It drops July 1st. The eight-episode season will include private telephone conversations between President Nixon and members of his administration and Congress. Season one is available now. Find and follow presidential recordings. Don't miss a single episode. Thanks for listening and happy searching.